Welcome to The Everyday Heroine. This podcast is meant to inspire women's leadership to help encourage women to discover the truth about what they are capable of. Hey, it's Maria with another episode of The Everyday Heroine. In this episode, I bring you my interview with Christy Kovac, an unexpected path to president. As soon as this interview was over, I asked Christy, when was the last time you wore a hard hat? I wished I would have asked her that during the interview. And she said, last week. And we had a good laugh about hard hat hair. It's part of being a woman in construction. Enjoy this interview with Christy Kovac from Coffee Time with Kaufman. Good morning. And welcome to Coffee Time with Kaufman, the comfortable place to talk about women's leadership. Today, we are talking to Christy Kovac about her unexpected path to being the president of Sheridan Construction. Hi, Christy. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Christy's first role with Chris R. Sheridan and Company had the title of estimator over 20 years ago in 2000. She went on to be VP of Pre-Construction Services in 2012, and then on to President in 2016. Christy is a graduate of the Georgia Institute of Technology with a BS in Building Construction Management. Christy earned her MBA from Mercer University. Christy is down to earth, easy to talk to, and she knows construction. This is only a small part of what makes her story and success so powerful. Before we get into Christy's success story, my name is Maria Kaufman, and I'm a life coach. Today, I am drinking some wild raspberry coffee. What are you drinking, Christy? I am drinking Z-beans, processed and and, and, uh, manufactured right here in Macon, Georgia, by a Mercer student in my nice coffee warm cup. (laughs) Love the cup. <laughs> awesome. So Christy, tell us about what life was like for you as a little girl growing up that got you on this career path. Well, I would say it's spending a lot of time with my grandparents. Um, my grandfather was in the service and he believed in, you know, being organized and structured and having a plan. Um, so early on, he uh, suggested that I be an engineer because engineers make good money and I needed to be independent and um, be able to have options. So um, it, when he first mentioned engineer, I thought the only t- kind of engineer I had been exposed to and was seeing on TV, a train engineer. So I thought he wanted me to drive a locomotive. <laughs> so as I got to asking questions and understanding better, understood that it's more of a, again, a true engineering, you know, science and, and math path. So um, he, he was my influence in applying to Georgia Tech. Um, I actually did not start in engineering. I, I thought I wanted to be an architect and not an engineer. And that was close enough. I was at an engineering school um, and I tried that for uh, one quarter. It was on the quarter system and realized I was too practical and didn't have the, could dream it up. I could I could look at others and see it. And, and so the building construction program was in the School of Architecture and a counselor said, you need to go try this out, take some classes. I did and fell in love with it. So that's how I came to be in construction management. 
Oh, interesting. So interesting part of distinguishing between a little bit of that creative part that comes into some of the sciences. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about that, that must have been wonderful to have that that influence from your grandfather. It was. Because that's typically not, you know, something that might have been the norm for grandparents to uh, instill that kind of influence uh, in their grandchildren. Uh, But he had a little bit of that service mindset. Mm -hmm. Do you have any anecdotal stories about uh, memories from him that kind of helped keep you on that path? Was it some little story? Was it a constant influence? How did that work with you and your grandfather? I would say it was a constant influence. Again, I spent a lot of time with them. My parents both worked, so I would go to their house after school. I would spend the summers with them. They would be the one to take me on vacation while my parents worked. Um, and and again, very structured, like you said, coming from the services, a couple of memories I have, one of them very clear. Um, in, in elementary school, there were days where I didn't want to go to school. And I don't recall why. If there was a test or something I was trying to avoid, but I would say my stomach hurt. And my mom would say, well, you're going to your granddad's and he's going to ask you, you know, are, are you sure you don't want to go to school? And, and some days I would say, OK, I'll go to school. <laughs> I didn't want the wrath of granddad. <laughs> Sometimes I would go and he, he would say, you need to go to the doctor. I'm like, no, I just need to stay home for the day. Oh, that's so cute. So he always made sure that I was, you know, doing the right thing. Um, and, um, and again, his influence, both, he had two daughters and um, both were good at math and numbers and they both got an accounting degree. And um, so he saw you know, I guess me following good with numbers. And, and that's where the suggestion of, the, hey, you should be an engineer and you stick with it, get through school and um, you'll be rewarded for it. Awesome. So he noticed that. What did you notice maybe in elementary school? Was there a subject that you preferred over another? Absolutely. Loved math, had really good math teachers. So probably a combination of, you know, a little bit of talent and, and skill and then good teachers. Um, and, um, what I didn't like was, um, history and, (laughs) and writing and (laughs) so, yes. Yeah. Same thing. And it's funny that you talk about, you know, engineering and having that expectation that it was somebody to drive a train. Mm -hmm. That was the same for me too. And I'm not sure where that comes from, maybe from those early stages to try and explain some of these careers, you know, in yeah. your young mind, you do get that influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that conversation like then whenever, you know, someone helped you ex- find out, well, yeah. no, it's not driving a train. It's this whole different world. Yeah. And, you know, it was not into the detail that when I look back in hindsight, it may have been more helpful. Um, it was really just a a clarity of, no, there is a, a career path where people design things, you know, from electrical to mechanical, industrial engineer, civil engineer, um, but not any more detail than that. I really didn't learn that until I was in school and saw how all the, you know, disciplines of design and construction came together. So as you're kind of getting into the high school years and deciding on a track and it sounded like architecture was something that you at least thought uh, to pursue. What was that time of your life like, uh, you know, as far as maybe subjects and what was helping you follow a path other than 
maybe your, obviously your grandfather's influence, mm -hmm. but even academically, and then that application process and pursuing, you know, uh, college education, or was uh, the, uh, the Georgia T Institute of Technology, was that always uh, a path that was maybe pre-described or, or how did college go for you? Yes, um, I think it was more pre-described um, because, again, having that engineering focus, Georgia Tech was the premier engineering public school. I knew I would be going to public school because my granddad actually helped pay my tuition. So, again, that's the influence and why I listened, because he helped me. Um, parents were just you know, doing good, but just getting along and he didn't want me to have student debt. So he says, you, know, you make good grades, you get into school, I'll help you get through. Um, without student debt. Um, so again, Georgia Tech was, is the premier engineering school in, in, in Georgia. And um, to be honest, that's the only school I applied to. I didn't know that, that was the thing and I didn't really talk to a counselor. I just kind of knew where I was going and was headed down that path. So that's the only school I applied to, not even thinking I might not get in. <laughs> wow. I had good grades, but my SAT score worked weren't high and might not could get in today, <laughs> but um, I got in and again, got through the, the, the school and then realized, wow, I didn't even think that that might not be a chance. I hadn't have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably better. Maybe. Hindsight, but that's fascinating. Oh, good yes. for you. Now, when you applied, did, like you said, was it, do you applied for architecture and then yes. changed inside? That's right. Mm-hmm. I guess whenever you're in those early years of college, you know, a lot of the subjects aren't so different. So it was more right. uncovering some of the differences. That's right. Yeah. So construction management, what were, mm -hmm. what was classes like, you know, what was the, maybe even the ratio, you know, of uh, the number of men or women that you found in class? Uh, what are your memories from, from college? Yeah, very low um, in the construction program. I think there were, three females in a class of 30, 35. Um, but what I remember is everybody being supportive of the females in the classes, um, you know, and, and being supportive and working together to learn things together. Um, and the professors were, were good. Um, I, you know, that was a good experience. Yeah. Now so I, I may be getting ahead, but coming out of that to get, well, so the first job, <laughs> You want me to head that way? Sure. Yes. Um, so Georgia Tech have, has a lot of employers that come to the school to interview. And I interviewed with a few and I actually got a job um, in Texas. And that was the first time I had flown. I got to fly to my interview and um, I accepted that job. It was with a large um, international construction company and um, in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And worked there for a couple of years and then came back to making Georgia my hometown. And it was difficult to, to get being a female to try to get into a construction company. So that's when I went to Mercer and I said, well, I'll make it be productive. I'll go get my MBA. And I worked with an insurance company um, that was through my mom's connections in their accounting, helping with bookkeeping for a year and just kept applying and finally got in within a year with a company here. Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a, uh, a a transformation and transition from from Georgia to Texas. Mm -hmm. but, but you were working for a construction company out in Texas. Correct. Yes. So you had something to put on your resume. You had mm -hmm. some exposure. So you come back to Georgia. 
work in a little bit of accounting, but determined. Yes. I love yes. the, the, the determinedness. Yes. You know, of some of these stories, right? So you were just going to wait it out with mm -hmm. total faith and belief that this is yes. just going to open up for you. That's right. It's not going to give up. <laughs> not going to give up. And you're back with your family at that point in time too. So that supportive environment. Mm -hmm. How did you come across uh, being an estimator for Sheridan uh, Construction was not called Sheridan Construction back then. Tell us the story. Correct. Yes. Yes. So my first job was with a contractor that's no longer in business. The, the owner retired and did not transition it. Um, but they hired me on as an estimator. Again, perfect fit because I was good at the number side of things. Um, and Sheridan Construction, or Chris R. Sheridan, as it was known back then, was considered the premier construction company in middle Georgia. And so everybody wanted to work for them. They were, you know, small to medium-sized company. And their preference on hiring was someone that had some experience and both project management and estimating. They um, wanted you to be dual role. Um, so I applied twice, interviewed once, didn't said, well, just hold on, you know, not yet. We were impressed, but just not right fit. And then they called me up a couple of months later and said, we ha may have an opening. Let's come talk again. So, um, and they hired me as their first time, first full-time estimator. Um, so they didn't ask me to come in and project manage. And it was actually good timing in our industry because it was when things were transitioning from all hard bid, where you put the numbers together, turn in a number and the low number wins the job to more of a negotiated process where by then you're getting um, involved with the design team early and providing multiple budgets along the way, which a project manager running jobs may not have the time to do that well. Um, so it was good timing for me. I think good timing for the company as the industry was, was changing. And um, so that's how I started at Chris R. Sheridan back then as their estimator. So you're determined to get the job. You, you finally get the job. Mm -hmm. I love that story. Just that, just being, staying with it, committed to the process. Mm -hmm. Something opens up. But at that point in time, you know, I imagine, uh, how much do you even understand the impact of that change that you, you talked about? Not much at all. I'm just, yeah. And I'm happy to be here and I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> So you're an estimator. You know, tell us about the support system that happens then in the workplace. Um, it, it was really good. Um, again, the, 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 the leaders that hired me, you know, wanted, you know, some diversity. And, and actually, they had a female project manager that was about to move um, to another area. So she was leaving the company. So they'd already been working in that way. So I think they were a little bit progressive, more so than anybody else around here. So she probably paved the way for me. I fit in well. The um, I think it took time to earn um, the superintendent's respect um, and the other project managers because I'm producing an estimate that they then have to rely on to build a project. And so it took a little time for them to see, okay, this is pretty good. And, you know, again, build that, that trust. And I don't, you know, didn't know everything. So I would ask questions about what I didn't know. Um, and uh, it just over time, you know, it was, a, again, great fit. So I love this piece here. I remember as well, one of my first uh, tasks that I was responsible for when I worked for consulting was estimating. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And apparently I was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the way it landed for me was maybe the way I arranged the numbers was not, uh, I'll say sophisticated. And I did have people that kind of supported me to kind of massage it so that it presented well, because they mm-hmm. knew, you know, from these outside disciplines that that these larger companies work in, you know, some of the the negotiating conversations. Right. To So that that estimated, you know, piece mm-hmm. has that confidence, you know, right? Right. So, but you're new. I, I found it interesting to kind of negotiate even myself, you know, because I didn't have confidence in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're talking about building this confidence and respect to earn with superintendents. Um, tell us a little bit more about that dynamic, because I imagine, you know, from your perspective, too, you're learning. Mm-hmm. So you're learning how to not only build the respect, but have the confidence in yourself. Anything that stands out that you can share with us about that tender, tender spot. Yeah, I think it, it's a lot of um, grit and just and, and hours and work and double checking. <laughs> I, I can tend to be a perfectionist, but you also have a deadline to meet too. So, um, you know, it's, it's doing the work, doing the, the, the quantity takeoffs, you know, and then um, making sure going back and saying, I'm going to triple check this. Um, and then calling subcontractors for, you know, the, the, the scope of work we don't do like electrical and mechanical. Um, again, I was bashful as I came up and, and more of an introvert. So having to pick up the phone and call people um, was tough. <laughs> It's like, let me just do the numbers in a room with a door closed. But, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's a part I had to learn and grow into also. Yeah. Um, and I have a quick, funny story. Um, then, you know, talking about wor- being worried about, are you missing something that you made a mistake? Because you don't want to make a mistake, um, or at least a big one. And I was um, on the job site with um, my boss at the time. And on a, it was a project that I had estimated. And he, um, down here in Georgia, we have, you know, a little bit of, um, I guess, slang in our words. And he said, uh, um, well, who's doing the corking? And I said, the corking? Oh, my gosh. And I'm saying to myself, I don't even know what that is. I didn't price the corking. <laughs> <laughs> so we're standing at his job trailer and I'm just, you know, wheels are turning and we leave. And I asked my boss um, at the time, I said, what is corking? He says, he means caulking. I was like, oh. Okay, I did pick up the caulking. <laughs> I was like, here's my first big mistake. I missed the corking. <laughs> Just the, that's funny, right? Yes. Awesome. So what was it like then? You know, eventually, clearly, you earn the respect. Was there a moment in time where it was like, ah, the transition? And, and how do you know that you earn the respect or what was that like? You know, I don't think there was a like an aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, it's just slowly over time, and again, trying to do a good job and not getting negative feedback. I guess was my positive feedback. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> the less negative <laughs> feedback, yes. the better I'm doing. There you go. There you go. Ah. Now, I will say um, this helped me um, at a time, and then helped me learn from my position as a leader now. Um, one of a mistake I did make um, 
I used the wrong scale on the drawing. Um, say it's at, you know, eighth inch and I used quarter inch. So thank goodness it wasn't a huge job, but there was a slab and I calculated only half the quantity of concrete. And when didn't realize that, again, a lot of times you don't get the feedback till the job's going along or the end of the job. So that could be six months or 12 months later. And then, you know, hey, how did the budget turn out? OK, I did pretty good or I did OK. Uh, um, so right. the, the project manager was about to order the concrete and he noticed and he came to me and I was like, what happened? Because I always want to know what happened. So I don't make that same mistake again. And I figured it out. And I went and told my boss at the time, Chris Sheridan Jr., who's um, father founded the company and I said I made this mistake and he he didn't rant and rave he just said okay well I'm glad you found it early because now we have time to you know figure out how to to overcome it and, and I appreciate you telling me and oh like, wow okay because I beat myself up more than he probably could have but he knew you know um, and so I see that in other people too you know they just need to be aware they made the mistake acknowledge it as soon as possible and then recover from it and recover from it. That's pretty awesome. Nice mm -hmm. to have that experience uh, earlier than probably later. And nice to yes. know that you're in, not only you're supported, but it sounds like too, just having the awareness that it sounds like from his perspective, you caught it early. Right. And there's flex and there's That's pushing. Right. Yes. You know, yep. when we beat ourselves up, we, sometimes we don't even know that there's that much play and that much forgiveness. Right. Right. Things. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. So how was the journey from estimator to VP? Um, that was good. It was, it was a matter of um, getting the workload that demanded, you know, adding on some estimators, which then gave me the opportunity to have a leadership position. So we grew from, we started with just me and one estimator who had been here for a while and was doing both project management and estimating and wanted to go just full-time estimating, which was great because he already had the experience. Um, so it was just a, an easy team transition um, to then hiring two more um, to have a, you know, a, what I would call a department at that point. So, um, and now we have a department of six estimators. Wow. And still keeping it. And that was the interesting thing, too. The, the company at the time, would, you know, was a size that it maybe made sense to be have that dual role. You estimate a project and then you manage the project. There's definitely advantages to that because, you know, it from beginning to end. But the disadvantage could be you need to focus, close your door to do the, the estimating part. But yet yeah, you're managing jobs that have things that need to, problems that need to be resolved. Um, so. I think it's, again, been a good transition for the company and we make sure that we have a smooth, what we call handoff meeting from pre-construction to operations. Um, awesome. So it sounds, I mean, just by numbers. So when there's more employees, there's obviously more business, that, that's a natural progression to go in that direction. Uh, but also over time, give us a sense for the typical project lifespan. You talked about like maybe this six month lag between the time you estimate and the time, you know, maybe construction actually happens. How many projects does the company do, you know, maybe in a year or what's the shortest, longest? Mm -hmm. 
So we, we're pretty diverse. Um, we've got 17 superintendents who are the, the guys with the boots on the ground, call them. So they're, they're the, the boss of the job site. Um, and so um, there are some, and we do a range of, of project sizes because we, we try to work with repeat clients. We, um, we're strategic about it, but we'll do a, a $10,000 job up to our largest project to date. It's $55 million job for a school system. Um, and we don't just go out and seek, you know, the small things, but again, for a, a good client, repeat wow. client, we're going to do whatever they need us to do. Awesome. Um, and this company, we're actually celebrating 75 years this year. I saw the mug. That's my cup. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, and it is because we're working on some third generation, um, clients, um, oh, who, wow. Chris's dad worked with, you know, the grandfather of the client we're with now, um. And that's one of, I believe, the reasons the company has been successful. So our projects vary from size. So um, um, in our larger, more complicated jobs, we may have two or three superintendents with a lead and then an assistant uh, or an area superintendent. Um, so, but I would say kind of our more, the, the, the sweet spot middle of the road is probably a six to $10 million job. And that's probably a, um, a 12 month project. Um, and so um, that's kind of the, the duration of the jobs. And so in a, in a typical year between the small and the, the large, we probably do. Um, gosh, and, I'm, and I've got to add my, our West Georgia office who is knocking it out of the park. Um, oh, but yay. probably, yes, <laughs> yes. 30 to 35 projects in a year. Oh, Wow. Wow, that's impressive, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you get to see that that project life cycle. Yes. Iterations yes. after iterations. Yes. Because as we say here, even the small projects, you go through every step. So. Um, right. Awesome. Cool. So as you're transitioning through these roles, um, what is something that you can share, you know, with the audience about, you know, do's, don'ts, how to's? You know, any insight that you can share, especially for, I'll say for women getting into construction, you know, so mm -hmm. maybe some of the changes that you've seen on opening the doors and uh, creating any kind of, you know, creativity and diversity in the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy to see more and more women in construction. And, and, um, and I think, again, I, th I think, from the few that I know have had a good experience. Um, we bring a different um, skill and talent and, you know, to the, to the, to the, to the company, to the project, um, detail oriented. Um, we care, we have good interpersonal skills. Um, and um, so I, I'm excited. We had a female intern. We've actually had two and I'm tracking both of them to get them back here full time. <laughs> I'm not going to stop until they're here. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's so complimentary. It's probably speaks obviously to their skill set yes. and the work that they bring uh, to the company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but you'd asked about maybe advice as you're coming through. I think what yeah. I didn't know, expect, wasn't told is that the, the, the higher you move up, the less you're going to use the skills you had and need to develop a different set of skills. Um, you know, it, it's a lot more, um, 
like personnel issues, dynamics, leadership development. And, and so it's that the balance of you're trying to develop yourself, but you need to develop, help the people under you develop. Um, so it's a balance and balance and act. I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's very humbling to know because obviously you're very successful. You know, so, and I know too, you know, in some of those transitions that sometimes you get to like some of the work and it's your comfort zone. So to get out of your comfort zone is a stretch. Yes. Um, but some people just have some, uh, are more prone, I'll say, probably to those leadership skills. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like too, that, that uh, Sheridan Construction supported you through those uh, transformations. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I'll speak to the comfort zone one, if you don't mind giving me an example, giving you an example. Um, another thing being come with our industry changing from hard bid to negotiated work required interviewing in front of a selection committee. And um, as you can imagine, if you're an introvert and bashful, you don't want to get up in front of people and talk. You, you know, you just want to say, just let me do the numbers again. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll... <laughs> Right. So, so getting out of your comfort zone, that started back in probably 2002-ish. And um, I remember my first interview with the project team. Um, I stood up and said some things and sat back down. And it was like an out-of-body experience. I remember being up there. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> to doing that, like, again, like anything you practice and still get nervous, but a little more excited about it than, you know, completely apprehensive about it. So, oh, know, to project interviews and, um, you know, tell them why we should be the selected one, why we're different. And so that's definitely didn't know that going in, in, in school and coming through the job that that would be um, part of the deal. Yes. Right. Yeah. And just like anything. Right. You know, a new skill can be awkward at first. Yes. So that is really important, especially moving through the leadership ranks. Yes. So th thanks for that perspective. Mm -hmm. So. What's it like to be the president? It's exciting most days. <laughs> <laughs> I have to imagine exciting, exciting. Um, yeah. Help us understand what exciting means to you. Um, it, it's, it's fun when you see the people around you, um, yeah. you know, care and are wanting to do the right thing. Um, that makes it worthwhile. Um, and um, so, yes, having the right people and obviously in the right positions is important. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 that makes it worthwhile. People, our, our people care. We've had people that have been here 30 plus years. We have some second generation employees. Um, so that oh. makes it easy. I tried to do, you know, surround myself with good people, like they say. And, um, and, and I, you know, we, we did go through a recent um, tough transition. And I'll say, you know, I remember we were part of a peer group <clears throat> that Chris, when he was transitioning the company, um, got involved in to help with that process. And I remember then the, the group telling him, hey, as a leader, you're not only you're supposed to develop people, but you're supposed to identify and remove obstacles. And I remember going, yeah, you need to remove some obstacles. <laughs> And now I'm in this position and here I am, you know, doing the same thing. I need to identify and remove obstacles um, to keep us going in the right direction. So it's easy to sit and point what other people should do. But when you're in that seat, it's hard. <laughs> it is absolutely hard. But let me just reflect on, on what you just said in a nutshell is that the first thing that you said is that you're 
you have some gratitude that you're working for a company and you have this sense of that you care, that your employees care, that there's this caring piece. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's also a numbers part, right? You know, where, you know, I'm sure maybe even daily, weekly, you're tracking the progress and you're delivering on the results. Yes. So uh, I just want to reflect and say, like, I love that you you led with caring. It wasn't leading with, oh, you know, the numbers are looking like this. Mm-hmm. But at, and then at the end, you're also reflecting that in your role, you can't be the one, you know, pointing the finger. You know, the mm-hmm. finger is kind of like pointing back at you where, oh, now it's my responsibility to remove yes. the obstacles. Yes. That's pretty powerful. Yes. And you just look so happy about it. <laughs> well, you have to laugh to keep from crying, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is true too. So as you are clearly impacting the world of construction by being who you are and doing what you do, what are any hopes for a future in women's leadership? You know, a hundred years ago, women in the U.S. finally got the right to vote, mm-hmm. you know, and we're now changing you know the landscape in the moment for what women's leadership is going to look like 100 years from now any insights for us i mean i i think there has been and will continue to be a a, i guess a transition to more opportunities and and the, the the more we step up and and again act instead of talk about it the others around us are going to see respect that and then learn to listen and ask questions um, and, you know, be a team and and not a, you know, male versus a female. This is a team of people with good ideas. It's just a team of people with good ideas. That's a pretty prosperous future. You know, so thank you so much for that. Is there an inspirational quote that you'd like to share with the audience? There is. I'm going to pull my phone up and read it here. I have a picture. It's from a friend who just happens to be um, on the Georgia Supreme Court, Justice Verda Colvin, who's here in Macon, Georgia. And she said, um, who believes in, again, supporting women, we go through valleys so that other women may see the horizon. We feel our way through the night so that other women may see the dawn. That's how we can clap for others, even as we wait our turn. Wow. (laughs) She's good. She is good. And that is absolutely a beautiful inspiration to share. Thank you so much. Yes. So Chrissy, I can't thank you enough for not only being on the show, but once again, just being who you are and doing the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for taking the time to to help us understand a little bit more about construction and the unexpected path from going from estimator to president. And thank you, Maria. I appreciate your time and inviting me here. Thank you so much. Before I say see you later for now, I'd like to invite you to give this podcast a rating and a review. If this content has been able to educate, inspire, or help you in any way, feel free to give it a five-star rating. Thank you so much for listening to The Everyday Heroine. It is my honor to be on this journey in life with you. Feel free to hit the follow button as we continue our adventures. 
Check the show notes for additional information on this episode. You can also go to mariacoffman.com. For those looking for career and life advancement now, find the links to get on a coaching consult with me so that you too can be living your dream life like an everyday heroine. Everyone matters, and you deserve to live the life of your dreams. No need to wait or hesitate. Answer your call to greatness with one simple act of scheduling that call. For now, enjoy your adventures and journey responsibly. Cheers. MariaKaufman.com is M-A-R-I-A-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N.com. See you there.